Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. I want to dive in. If you get your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Samuel. And we're going to be looking from chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. God's had us on a journey these last couple of weeks where he's wanting us to learn more about his favor. What his favor looks like. How he pours his favor out. Who does he pour his favor onto? How can we identify it? And if we can identify it, we can increase it. And I know you guys are getting ready there. I just want to read you uh, this, this uh, scripture here from Exodus chapter 33. I had this phrase as I was seeking God. He said, when the Lord wants to show us his favor, he finds a way for his presence to come. You see, when the Lord wants to show us his favor, he finds a way for his presence to come. And this is what Moses said. If you are pleased with me, Yahweh, God, Jehovah, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And when we talk about the favor of God, there's nothing more favorable than knowing his presence coming upon you. You heard a little bit of it in my testimony at 15 when I felt the wave upon wave of the love of God. God wants to find a way to get his favor upon you. And we looked at, we looked at that in the ark. What does the, what does the presence of the Lord look like? And we saw that in the ark. It was, it was the wooden acacia box that was covered with glory. It spoke of Jesus, his humanity, and his um, sonship as, as a father, his fully God and fully man. We spoke about how the box, as it unfolded, it was the, it was the shape of the cross. And the presence of God is shown in the cross, the love of God that makes a way for us to enter in. We talked about the items that were inside the ark, the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the, the word of God on the stone tablet. And we saw how all those spoke about Jesus. And every time we know that Jesus comes into our lives, we can feel his presence. And we also discover the ways that Jesus wants to make himself so real in our lives. And I mentioned it just briefly, but let me say this again about presence. God's presence is both a tangible reality, something that we can sense and that we can feel. But it's also a biblical truth even if we aren't sensing and feeling people. See, see, God wants every single one of us to enter in and to know that his presence. For me, as you can already tell by the way that I've talked about, feeling a wave, wave upon wave of God's love, I can feel things and I'm a sensor. If you come in our home and have a meal and, and Anna, isn't Anna great? Didn't, it wasn't lovely having a host this meeting this morning. Thank you so much, Anna. She talks about feelings. Well, I just feel this and I just felt that. Anyone else can, rep, can respond? We have, we have feelings. We have other people. You can put your hand down, but put your hand up of this. And we have people who say things like this. Well, I just saw, as, as you were eating the meal, I just saw a book and the Bible was being opened and it was turning to, to Exodus chapter 33. And I, and I know that story. And as I was reading the Bible, I saw 
a picture of heaven open. Anyone, any seers in this place? Yeah, we have some seers. Then we have people who say, well, I just think what God is trying to say to us is this. Do you have any thinkers in this place as well this morning? Let me tell you, God has got a way for you to experience his presence. It doesn't matter which one of the categories you are in. And sometimes you can feel like, oh, God, I'm not quite a feeler. Am I missing something out here? That's okay. You do you. God's got you covered. God wants to encounter you, and he's going to put away. And so even when it comes to his presence, it's such an honor to be able to speak because we want to tell you how God wants to touch you. We want to tell you as well how God has made a way. He is, he is such a logical God. He is such a, a careful God. He is such a detailed God. He, can, he writes things out in such a way that nothing is forgotten, that everyone is included. And when we talk about knowing God's presence, it's for both the feeler and the intellectual. Whether it's a, a feeling, a sense, or just a belief, I know, you know, We need people with solid faith as well who say, I know that I know that this is what God is doing. Even if we didn't feel anything, even if we didn't sense anything, we know that we know. Why? Because it says in God's word and we can stand on that. So this is what presence looks like. And we're going to read from 2 Samuel chapter 6. This is a crucial moment in King David's life. It's a crucial moment. and It's got so much weight for our lives. And, And here's what happened. David, as a young shepherd boy, is out looking after his father's sheep. His father has many other sons, and he has the sons in the house. And David is the youngest. If you dig into it, David was probably an illegitimate child. We don't really talk much about that, do we? But David was an illegitimate child. His father wasn't actually... Um, his father, there was a bit of shame around his father and around King David. He wasn't a king at this point, but was he? Because God saw him as a king. Young boy David, dark and ruddy, out there with the sheep. Um, I like to imagine people say this, and I, 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 I like to imagine too. A guitar in one hand, maybe slung over his back as he's got a shepherd, shepherd's rod in the other, looking after the sheep. And Samuel the prophet comes into Jesse's house, David's father's house, and says, The Lord has sent me here to anoint a king. And the father does what all fathers do. He brings out the oldest, the tallest, the strongest, the one that he is most proud of, the one that he thinks fits the bill. And Samuel listens to the voice of God. You see, he listened to the presence of God. He knew what God was saying yes to, and he knew what God was saying no to. And son after son after son, as Jesse presents them to Samuel the prophet, he says, no, not this one. No, this, not this one. He even admits it when he sees one of the sons. He's tall. He's strong. He says, oh, surely this would be a good one to anoint as the king. And God says to the prophet Samuel, nope. You see, man looks at the outward appearance but I look at the heart. And there's a young boy who is illegitimate, who has been rejected, who is not in the, house, not in the room, who's outcast, who's with the sheep. His heart is right. And eventually uh, Samuel keeps saying no to all of Jesse's sons. And he, can you imagine the embarrassment? The prophet says to the, to the father, do you have any more sons? God told me to come to this household and there's no more boys left. What's going on? Have I got it wrong? And Jesse is sweating under the collie. He's like, actually, I've been found out. I have one more son. Go and fetch him. And they bring David in. And, and David, from a young boy, is anointed 
God tells the prophet Samuel, this is the one. And he pours the oil upon his head. And from that moment, he is anointed. But it was a long road from there until he stepped into the fullness of God's promise on his life. The fullness of his inheritance. The fullness of the things that were awakened in his heart. It was a long road. And we don't have time to go through all of it, but it involved slaying giants. It involved shunning armor that didn't fit. It involved playing music for a demented king who then also rejected him and threw him out. It involved running and hiding and living like a, an outlaw, living in caves. It involved years and years of hardship. It even involved pretending to be insane. And eventually, two tribes, the tribe of Judah, because Judah goes first, they get that right, don't they? The tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, they recognize God's anointing, the presence of God upon this young man, and they make him king over two tribes. And that's the start of something being fulfilled. But then it's a long journey before the entire nation of Israel, which was the, the other 10 tribes, recognized that David was the king. And at the age of 33, he was finally anointed the king over a whole nation. Think about that time. Think about that difficulty. Think about all the lessons this young man learned. How he knew how to walk with God. How he knew how to take the outcasts and turn them into mighty warriors. How he knew how to not uh, get down disheartened at this outwitted situation. But to continue in a place of faith. Yet, when he was finally anointed king over the whole nation. There was one thing that he realized he needed in his city. There was one thing that he realized he needed in his town if he was going to rule correctly. Do you know what that was? That was the presence of God represented by the Ark of the Covenant. That Ark that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And so here David is in 2 Samuel chapter 6. He's victorious. He's made it through all the testings. He's walked into the fullness that God had for him. That sounds like a good place to be, doesn't it? It sounds like completion. It sounds like everything is covered. And from that place, he said, no. The one thing I need now as much as I've ever needed, and the one thing now I have the authority to do, is to bring the presence of God into this city. I cannot rule and reign without the presence of God. I cannot be the king that this people needs me to be without the presence of God. I cannot be the king that I was ordained by the Father in heaven without the presence of God. I want us as a people to have that same attitude. Lord, I cannot live a day in my employment without the presence of God. Lord, I cannot function a day as a father in my family without the presence of God. Lord, I've tried to be a good husband, but without the presence of God, Lord, I'm failing. I've, I'm trying to be a good student. Whatever your situation is, put yourself in David's shoes. We need to know what it is to handle to hold and to carry the presence of God into the situations of our lives. That's why his presence is upon us, because he wants to make a difference. King David, he knew what it is to fight battles. He didn't want to fight another one without the presence of God in his life. Lord, would you make us a people who carry your presence into every area where we go? Here's what we, what we say about Revival Fires. We want to be a church that's presence-centered, 
people-focused, community-oriented. Listen, that's not just some cool branding. We believe that's the business of heaven over a church. That's what the church should be known for. That's not just us trying to come up with special visions or special things that sound good. It's because we want to try and present what a a people of, of disciples look like. What it looks like to have the presence of God transforming our lives. What it looks like to build the very place where God comes to dwell. And I want us to be a people who know how to carry, to hold, and to bring God's presence. Um, let's read. I love how tactile this is. You, you, can, you can hear all the language. It's, it's physical. It's actual. It's real. You can touch it. You can see what not to touch. You can see what goes right. And this is because God wants to show us how we can walk with his presence. So from verse 2 in chapter 6 to Samuel. Here we go. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. And I felt even as we were praising, how great is our God this morning? How great is our God? I could feel the Lord coming and dwelling in the midst of our praises. And they placed the ark of God on a new cart that they might bring it from the house of Abinabad, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinabad, were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinabad, which was on the hill, and Ahio was walking ahead of the ark. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir woods and lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out towards the ark of God and took a hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down for his irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, and that place is called Perez Uzzah, or breakout against the outbreak to this day. So David was afraid of the Lord, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all the things that belong to him on account of the ark of God. David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Three months. He had waited till he was 33 to come into this place. He had to wait three more months. You see, God was teaching him in those three months how to walk with the presence of God. And that's what I'm talking about today. How do you walk with the presence of God? There's six points. In fact, there's seven points that God wants to speak to us and how we can walk with his presence in our lives, how we can bring his presence into our situations. And so it was that when, from verse 13, I'm continuing, the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces He sacrificed an ox and a fatling, and David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Then it happened, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent, which David had pitched for it. 
And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And he finished by blessing the people and he sent them away home. Amen. So much in that. So much in that. The first thing, if we are going to be a people who knows what it is to carry the presence of God into our life, our church, our world, to hold, to handle, to carry, and to walk with the presence of God. There's a couple of steps, and I want you to know that these steps, it's really important that we understand how God has ordained that we walk with Him. But it's really important that we understand that it's only by grace. These aren't just methods. These aren't just the tick sheet. Well, I did everything you told me to do. We understand that we respond. Do you understand that? We have a response to give to God, and God responds and pours out His presence upon us. So the first one is this. Don't follow the world's patterns. You see, what David did is he knew all of the precepts of God, and here finally he wanted to bring the ark in, and he was so passionate about it, he borrowed from the world. You see, the Philistines had returned the ark on a cart, dragged by a couple of cows. Doesn't sound very good, does it? Doesn't sound very honorable. You guys been around cows lately? Let me tell you this. You smell them before you see them. And here... God, David wants to bring the ark in and he borrows from the world's pattern. He says, well, it arrived here on a cart. Let's just do the same thing. And he puts it on a cart. You see, the world will tell you that there's a way to gain favor. Dress this way, talk this way, act this way, look this way. Come and hang out this way. The world will say that there's a way to gain favor. There's a way to gain presence. But it's not the way that God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to inherit the pattern of the world. They always lead to, to um, compromise. And David had to discover God's pattern again in those three months when I, when I pointed it out. He had to discover God's pattern. And here's what happens. God's presence over your life will give you access to God's pattern for your life. Sometimes we can find ourselves saying, but Lord, I don't quite know what to do next. Uh, I'm, I'm in a new season. Lord, I don't know what to do next in, in my work environment. I don't know next, what to do next in my, my status. What do I do with, with being single? What do I do with my children? What do I do with this? And we often want to seek the world's way. Or we want to seek on this plane. If, I, if you know what I mean by plane. We seek on this level. We look around. Where's my influence? Where's my example? What are people doing in my age? And God says, no, look higher. What is my presence saying for your life? When you discover the presence of God, He also hands you His pattern for your life. And I want to say even this. God's presence is the pattern for your life. That's what God's presence is. I want to be all about his presence. Um, I, we met with a wonderful person on the worship team a couple of weeks ago, and she told us this story. And I just want to share it because it just blessed my heart. What a great story. Talking about the pattern and the ways of the world versus the presence and the ways of God. She works in a, in a, high, a high, big office uh, in Birmingham, big de, de, um, contracts, high up government place. And she is known as someone who wants to pray. And the world in that office has said, no, you cannot pray. This is not a place that we allow prayer to happen. And I love this pattern of heaven in her life. She says, Ryan, they can tell me what they want, but I'm never going to stop praying. I found a way that I can bring the presence of God. God's called me to pray. I'm going to pray. And I pray in the kitchen. I pray at my desk. They don't know that I'm praying, but I'm praying. You see, there's a pattern that God wants on my life. And here's what happened. 
There was a moment where someone came in and a contract had gone really badly wrong and there was going to be a big problem. This person who had gone wrong for was also a Christian. And they came to this lady and they said, I don't know what to do. And this precious lady, she said, I know what to do. We're going to pray right here. And this poor guy, he was freaking out. Not only have I got something wrong, I'm now stuck in the kitchen with this person praying. It's like double whammy. How much problem am I going to get into? And she prayed and they prayed. And he, he found something in him to rise up because faith responded to faith. You see, there was a pattern that came from the presence of God upon her life. And as she prayed, she sent him out. He went and he was bold and he did what he needed to say. And God turned the situation around. God turned the situation around. And these are the stories. These are the things that happen in everyday life identified in your life. God wants to use you to be a pattern changer with his presence. You see, God's uh, the, the way of the world will always be what's logical. It seems logical to put a heavy item on something with wheels. It seems logical to put a heavy item uh, in front of cows who can pull it. You know, let's save our shoulders. God's pattern was priests and poles. That's what, God, that's what God's pattern was. David had to rediscover that. You see, the world wants to find a way that looks logical, a way that looks easy, a way that looks comfortable. But faith doesn't do that. Let me tell you what faith does. When God wanted to birth a nation, he chose a barren womb, Sarah. When God wanted to deliver a people, he led them to a blockage in front of a Red Sea. Faith never takes the easy way out. Faith looks different. When God wanted to build a kingdom... Uh, and a nation he chose an illegitimate shepherd boy, David. That's what faith does. When God wanted to bring his king into the world, he birthed him in a manger. When God wanted to feed 5,000, he found one boy with two fish and five loaves. Faith is God's pattern for your life. God's way to get through a storm is to sleep in it. Isn't this good? God's ultimate victory looked like a cruel death upon a cross. But with God, God's pattern is different to the world's pattern. Look again at the situations. What are the things that God wants you to, to reassign with his heavenly pattern? Here's the second point. We come to the threshing floor. God wants to bring us to places of threshing floors in our lives. It was where was, where was it where Uzzah reached out and touched the cart? It was at the threshing floor of Nacon. What happens at threshing floors? Things get sifted. Things get separated. The wheat is thrown up and the wind blows against it and the chaff is removed. There are things that are removed. The valuable from the worthless, the shell from the seed, the hardness from our heart. God's way or the world's way. For Uzzah, it was irreverence or obedience. This is what it was for David. But there's more than this at this threshing floor. It was the name of the guy who owned it was Nacon, and that means right. Let me tell you, God is working out his righteousness in our lives at the places and the points of difficulty. This is what happens. We have a great meeting on a Sunday. God's presence is upon us. And then we go into our everyday life and we come to threshing floors. We come to places where difficulty happens. We come to places where there is hardship, where there is trial. And the first thing we say is, but God, your presence was on me. Why am I going through this difficulty? As if the presence would qualify us for not going through. But here's what God says. I'm taking you to places of pressure because I want my presence to be greater within you. I'm taking you to places of pressure so you know what's in you. So that you know what you need to separate to have more of God's presence. 
You see, God's presence doesn't take you away from the hardship. It actually is the very thing that helps you get through the hardship. And as you go through the hardship, it grows in you. I'll be really honest with you. Last Sunday was the biggest Sunday of the year. It was incredible. Baptisms, food, people getting born again, people getting saved. This room was full of bouncy castles. It was great. I was on a high. Spiritual high. I was, I was so, Lord, you're amazing. Look at all this. What a joy it is. And my voice gets that high when I pray to God too. It's like, wow. And what happens in the middle of all that? A threshing floor moment. Kids are misbehaving on the trampoline. Okay, so it's my kids. So, so I'm allowed to say this, okay? I had to qualify that. You guys are thinking, hmm, is it my kids, Ryan? Like, oh, my kids, okay. And people come to me, Ryan, what's going on with your child? Yeah, okay, I'll sort it out. This is great, Lord. Ryan, your child. Ryan, your children. And I'm like, would you know what happens to me? In the midst of the biggest, most amazing Sunday, I come to a threshing point. And I realize that what's coming out of my life in that minute isn't always grace. What's coming out of my life in that minute, even though I've been in the place of God's presence, isn't, doesn't look like the presence of God. And why am I telling you this? Because I want you to know this is how it looks. God doesn't bring you to those places because he wants to embarrass you. Here's the other thing that happens. We go to those threshing floor places and we do what? Damn you, devil. I'm allowed to say that in church. No, I'm not. Okay. How about this one? Go to hell, devil. That's where he comes from. Is that better? I'm like, get out of my life, Satan. And we begin to blame the enemy for all the hardships that we're going through. And God says, I'm taking you to a threshing floor because I want you to increase in my presence. The presence that's in you is enough for you to go through it. And what's going to come out of it, out of this moment, is more of my presence. So I want us to realize the pattern. Like, Lord, when you're taking me to threshing floor moments, put your presence on me. There's a prophet, an amazing preacher who has come here many years in the past. And I might tell a few stories because this is what family does. They tell stories. Have you, we, we were with my family in Bath over the last couple of days. And we sat around the table and we just started talking stories about my grandfather and, and his mother and my cousin and my brother. And all these stories just start coming out. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's the best thing about being around a table is all the great stories, all the funny stories, all the embarrassing stories. All those stories are there for a reason because we grow through them. And here's a story. This prophet came, Bobby Connor, and he said this. And it's never been able to escape my mind all my heart, because it's so true. He says, God will pour out his spirit without measure on a people without mixture. Who wants this spirit of God without measure? Who wants to carry his presence without measure into your workplace? Even like that testimony I read, I, I retold to you. Imagine what the spirit of God without measure on our life looks like. Well, if we're going to do that, any bit of mixture in us is going to get removed. And when God takes us to threshing floors, we say, yes, Lord, thank you for identifying that in my life. Because he's not embarrassed of me. He knew it was there all along. God knows what's in your heart. God knew that was in my life. The only person who didn't was me. <laughs> and that's the beauty of the threshing floor. He separates the worthless from the valuable. And he puts his presence on us for the places of, of pressure. That's the very reason why David needed 
the ark in Jerusalem because he was going to go through pressure. He was going to go through decision. He was going to go through value moments and he needed the presence of God. It's on us for such a time as this. And even in the era, he is still blessing us. You know, David, he goes through these two emotions. I mean, David, he goes through so many emotions in one chapter. First, it's anger. Do you remember we read that? David was angry. Let's be honest, guys, okay? How many of you have felt angry with God? Yeah. Oh, great. We're a ch- we've got an honest church here, Anna. I love this. Don't worry, the cameras are pointing at me, not you. David <laughs> goes from being angry to being afraid. How many of you have been afraid of God? How many of you have been afraid of the things you've done? Now, what do I do next? And he goes and he puts the ark in Obed-Edom's house. And then he goes to this thing called jealousy. It's a holy jealousy because God never stopped blessing. Even though error happened, God's presence still blesses. Think about that. When you're going through the hard times, even if you're making mistakes, God's presence still wants to bless you. You haven't scared him away. He loves you. He's here for you. God's presence blessed Obed-Edom's house so much that a king was jealous. Think about that. What kind of blessing would that look like to incite a king to think, man, what's going on in that guy's life? I need it in mine. A king with all of his wealth, a king with with all of his provision, a king with all of his armies, all of his his houses, all of his family. Yet he looked at the life of Obed-Edom after just three months and God's presence upon his life, the Bible said, blessed him. Oh, that word blessing, you can unpack that word blessing. It blessed him to make a king think, I need that in my life. Let me just tell you a quick aside. That's the role of the church. That's the role of the church. That God's presence rests upon us. That the world looks at us and says, I need what's on your life. That's the role of the church. Do you want that? God's presence on our lives. That the world looks at us and says, I need that. What have you got going on in your life? I'm looking at people and the joy we get is in talking with you in the week. I've heard that story so many times. People at school going about their everyday job and other teachers come to them and say, what have you got on your life? Why are you so happy? Did you just see that Ofsted report? (laughs) Did you just try and have that lesson with that Baker Barnes child? (laughs) My kids are amazing. I'm only only teasing them because I can. They're awesome. You should hear what they say about me after I've preached. (laughs) Anyway, what's going on in your life? What have you got in your life? And they say, I believe in Jesus. God's presence. That's the role of the church, to incite the world to ask what's going on, to come and look, to come and see that God's presence is good, that God's presence is kind, that God's presence is love, that God's presence is hope, peace, and joy, that God's presence is life, that God's presence is here. Are you ready to carry that into the threshing floor moments? What if you got it wrong? What if I missed my time of favor? Well, God is the God of second chances. We talked about David's emotions. He was angry. He was afraid. He was jealous. Then he was so full of joy that he was bringing the ark in and no one had died the second time around. That he danced with all his might to the point where he flung his clothes off and he danced with such freedom. It incited his wife, Michal, to despise him in her heart. But what, what a high level. You see, God's second chance for your life is always better than the first. Don't give up. Go after his presence. Reach in for his presence. Number three, his presence is meant to be carried, not contained. 
It's on you for the sake of people around you. You can't contain it. You can't own it. We can't be selfish with it. You see, Uzzah, this guy who reached out against the ark, touched it. His name means strength. But not the strength of God, not Uzzah-el or Al, the strength of God, Uzzah, the strength of man. And it's the same Hebrew word, Jewish, uh, Israeli word that they use for, some of you guys are going to love this, any computer gamers amongst us, an Uzi. You know that little gun, that little submachine gun? <laughs> you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, you know, an Uzi. It's the same root, strength. The reason they named the gun Uzi, because it means strength. But here's Uzzah. And he comes and he's acting in his own strength. God is stumbling. Oh, I'll reach out and help him. The ark's about to fall. I'll reach out and put my hand there. No. We come with such reverence and we lay down our strength and we say, Lord, this is not here for me to control. This is not here for me to to contain. This is here for me to carry. I want to carry the weight of God's presence. It was never in our own strength and it was only by grace. Uh, We talked about that a little bit already. I want to tell you a story as well. In the year 2008, God's presence came in this building in such a way that people would come in and they would get healed in his presence. God's presence came in this building in such a way that people were hungry to experience God. And they came in and he poured out his love upon them. And they were changed. And it happened in such a way that night after night, and I mean night after night after night, for six months, God's favor and his presence was upon this place. It was called the Dudley Outpouring. And it was the most amazing thing to be a part of. Every night, I led worship. I'm not proud of this, but it's the truth because I'll tell you why. For 39 nights on a go, I got up here and led worship. The amazing thing is my voice didn't fail. The amazing thing is my family's still together. It's an amazing thing. Honestly, that's the grace of God. I'm telling you that. The amazing thing is that night after night, even though I didn't always get the songs right or do a good job, hallelujah, God came. Night after night, people were healed. And I'm talking amazing miracles. And it was the most liberating thing. It was the most beautiful thing. It was the most honoring thing to feel God's presence on you and to see him working and to co-labor with God, his presence. It changed the history of our church. You need to know that, church family. It changed the narrative that we have as a church in the town. It, it set us up for so many things. God blessed us in such an amazing way. And when it lifted at the end of six months, it lifted. And Trevor was wise enough. We were wise enough to, to ask God, like Samuel with the, with the sons, which one is the right son? Lord, what are you doing? And we, we had to change into another season. But a year later, we had a friend coming over from Canada, and we thought, Hey, let's try to do that again. We booked up a whole week of meetings. Do you remember that, Anna? And I'm telling you what, trying to do something in your own strength when God didn't ordain it, it was exhausting. We came night after night for a week. Thought, well, let's sing the same songs. Let's bring the preachers in. Let's send out the same emails. Let's try and stir up the passion. Let's say, Lord, come and move in this place. But we were doing it in our own strength. And it wasn't the same. And we tried for one week, and after one week, I was finished. The whole team was finished. I remember Trevor saying, well, we're not going to do that again. (laughs) If God doesn't start it, I'm not in it. 
You see, that's the difference when it comes to working with God's presence. Follow the presence. He's the pattern. Find his presence upon your life. Don't try and work it in your own strength. It's weighty and it's on me for the sake of people around us. But it's also in me for the sake of me. That's God's presence. Learn how to be so sensitive to it. Some of the questions that's good to ask ourselves as well is, when God blesses me with his favor and his presence, do I withhold it? Do I use it to make myself feel good or feel better than or promoted? Or do I let it flow out to the people around me? Lord, would you put your presence on us because we're an open channel. Sometimes being an open channel looks like being jars of clay, which are cracked and broken. But that never stops God pouring out his presence because he wants us to leak. He wants us to either leak or to overflow. He would much rather than as he flows through you that he heals the leaks and then he overflows. It's the overflow that God wants to give us. And if we stop wanting to overflow, the presence stops. Do you remember that word even this morning about the oil? Pour out your oil, even though it's little, keep going. Lord, would you pour your presence here upon us? We never want to be over familiar with it, Lord. You see, Uzzah, the other thing, he was, he was immense strength. But his dad, do you remember that name? Abinabad. Abinabad boy. Abinabad. Abinabad. He had a bad boy called Uzzah. Abinabad boy. Uzzah. His dad was where the ark was living before David said, I need to bring it back into the city of Jerusalem. I need God's presence in my life. And Uzzah had grown up around the ark and it was very easy for him to get familiar with it. So much so that when David wanted to bring it in, he didn't even look at what the word of God said, the priests and the poles and the way it should be carried. He just said, hey, Uzzah, you've been around the ark. You lead the way. Familiarity is dangerous. Let's never become over-familiar with God. Let's keep it to a place where we're so grateful for His presence. How do we do that? Keep telling testimonies. Keep sharing testimonies. Keep being grateful and recognizing God's presence. Lord, we don't want to take you for granted. Even your presence in, in freedom and worship, we say thank you. Amen. Keep moving in our lives. Do I have an amen for that? Amen. Number four, how you handle your heart. If you want to walk with the presence of God, it really matters how you handle your heart. There's two amazing uh, comparisons here. When God put favor on Obed-Edom's life because of God's presence, David could have done so many things, but it inspired him to seek God, to find a way to bring it into his city. It inspired him, Lord, pour it out. Can you hear the rain? You guys watching online, there is a downpour right now. Sounds like there's a train moving through. Yes, God, water our, water our lives with your presence too in the Spirit. See, David didn't move in jealousy. It inspired him to take action. But David had a wife called Michal. And when God's favor was upon David's life that he danced with all his might, Michal hadn't looked after her heart and she despised her husband. We read there earlier that she despised him. What do you do when others are favored, blessed, promoted, celebrated? This is another way that God actually brings us to the threshing floor. Obed-Edom's blessing provoked David, but David kept his heart as God's home. 
You see, our lives are the place. I talked about the, the broken vessels, didn't I? Our lives are the place where God's presence dwells. I've got good news. He's not after perfection, but he is after people who have gone through the sifting and have thrown away jealousy, who have thrown away uh, rage, who have thrown away uh, comparison, who have thrown away selfishness, and who stay in a humble place. We're going through that journey, and we say, Lord, would you make my heart your home? How we look after our heart keeps it as God's home. In verse 22, he didn't read it, but what David said when he was talking to Michal later on, he said this, I will lightly esteem. Let me read it for you. Verse 22, I will be more lightly esteemed than this and will be humble in my own eyes. That is the attitude that we have when we build a house for God in our heart. When we build a home for God. This rain is amazing. Lord, would you help us keep our hearts as a place where you dwell, as we walk in your presence. Number five, obedience. Oh, this one is so important. The reason Uzzah died and the reason that the presence of God couldn't make its way into the city was disobedience. Disobedience to God's word. David had to go and research and find it out. God wants us to be so obedient to the whispers of his voice. If there's any key I can give you to growing in the presence of God, it's being obedient. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I've realized in my life that when I hear those still small voices of God, those, those little um, words, whether it was like I started this morning's meeting, the taste and see. I heard a voice, taste and see. I had an opportunity then to act on it. Or it could be that I'm going through my, 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 my day. I tell you what often happens is I'll, I'll walk. Office, my office is upstairs and I'll walk through to the main hall and I come, come through here and I just sense God's presence in here. It's not a religious thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I sense it and I say, God, thank you for your presence. And there'll be times when you go about your day, you guys will be aware of this, that you just hear some, maybe someone's voice Someone's name comes as a voice in your mind and you know you need to just pray for them. Or maybe God says, hey, just spend a bit of time with me right now. And, and this is the beauty of it. It doesn't have to be that everything is perfect. It's just right there. I'll just close my office. Yes, Lord, I'm here. Thank you that for your still small voice. Thank you that you're here. When I'm obedient to that, do you know what happens? His voice continues to come. He continues to share his secrets with me. It even comes to a point sometimes when I don't know if it's God's voice saying, hey, come spend some time with me. Or if it's my heart responding to God saying, I just want to spend some time with you. See, I don't even know the difference sometimes. But when I'm obedient to it, it increases. But I'll be honest with you. There's also sometimes, and I'm working on this because I want to hold my heart and I want to live in obedience to his voice above all else. There's sometimes when life is full. Do I get a witness? I try not to say life is busy because it's really busy because it's busy with the things I made choices about. But sometimes life is full. It's so full. And you hear that little voice and you know how big your to-do list is. It's huge. You know all the things you need to do when you get home. You know all the things you need to do to plan a mission trip. You know all the things and there's this list and you hear the still small voice. Spend some time with me. And you think, oh, that's a really good idea. But have you seen my list? <laughs> if I spend time with you, this list will get bigger. I need to do the list, Lord. See, what's happening is I'm choosing the pattern of the world at that point, And I'm not being obedient. And God's, 
God, okay, go ahead. See where that gets you. And what happens is I don't get very successful going through my day. But also the next day, I don't hear that whisper as clearly when God wants to speak to me. Obedience is what we need when we're going to walk with the Holy Spirit. Let's be a people who are so obedient. See, obedient isn't just recognizing. It's taking action on it. And I, I love this. We remember we've read from the story. What is David doing when the cart stumbles and the ark almost falls off and Uzzah is struck down? What is David doing? He's worshiping. He's singing. He's shouting. He's dancing. He's doing all these things. Let me tell you. No amount of effort or work can ever make up for disobedience in our lives. But let me also tell you this. No amount of effort or work will ever make the difference that obedience has in our lives. We can sometimes get so busy with the, with the activities, so full, well, I need to be doing this, and it looks right. But really, all God is saying is, come away with me. All God is saying is, this person wants your phone call. All God is saying is, yes, but your wife needs you there at that moment. Your family needs you there. Your, your grandmother needs that phone call. I don't know what it is. Put your story in there. Let's be people who walk in obedience. It's the way that we continue to grow. Align with God's word. Listen to his still small voice. Rediscover his plan for our lives. And here's the last one. Well, I'm going to put another one in. Why? Because six, so there's six steps that every six steps David sacrificed. And that's how he got the ark into God's presence. But six is actually the number of man. And there is a seventh step. And that seventh step is the destination where he reached. And we're going to add that in a minute. But here's the sixth one. It's worship. But it's not just worship. It's worship is our response. God wants us to be people who respond. Whether it's to his still small voice. Whether it's to realizing his pattern. It's the response. Worship is the pattern of our lives. And worship is always the perfect response. And you know that I'm not just talking about striking up the band and singing a song. I'm talking about that attitude of our heart. Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm here for you. Lord, my life will respond to you. Whatever you want me to do, I will take action. And then, because we're trying to reach this to, to the end, let me just also say this about worship, worship and sacrifice. David had to sacrifice to get the ark in, but there was a sacrifice that was once and for all, and it was Jesus Christ on a cross, and his sacrifice has opened a way for his presence to come on our lives. And now I don't do these six steps as religion. I don't do these six steps in my own strength. I follow them because God has made a way. But because God's made a way, there still needs to be a response on my part. Because God's made a way for you, you still have to have a response on your part. And the final one, seven, is the house of God. David comes and he brings this ark into a tent that he's built. And let me tell you this, we don't have time to get into the beauty of this, but that tent is prophesied in the book of Acts from the book of Amos. And it says that in that day, God will reestablish the tent of David. I want you to know we're living in that day where God's presence has come into a dwelling place. And it's not a dwelling place that's veiled by a thick curtain. It's not a dwelling place where only a select few, one person, once a year, can go in and enter. It's a dwelling place where right now, right here, God's presence is upon us. Because he wants you to carry it. He's called you to carry his presence. Jude's going to come up and we're going to have an opportunity to respond this morning. But just have a think about your life. What are the areas that God has called you 
to reign in? What are the areas that God's called you to rule in? What are the areas that you say, Lord Jesus, I need your presence in my life. I want to speak this out over us as a church. There is going to be a deeper hunger in our lives for the presence of God. There is going, God's going to put such a hunger in our hearts for Him. And it's, it looks like coming into church and worshiping Him. It looks like gathering at friends' houses. It looks like reading His Word with a passion. It looks like attending life groups. It looks like all of that. But at its core, it's not because we are called to duty or action. At its core, it's because God has put His presence in our lives. He said to us, taste and see. And we've had a taste. Even this morning, God's given us a taste of what His presence looks like, what His presence feels like. And we say, Lord, I want that. Lord, I need that. Lord, there's parts of my life where I need you to come. Like David, I need you in my life. I need you. Respond to Him this morning. If you say, Jesus, I need your presence in my life. Let's just do that. Jesus, I need you in my life. If you're crying out for more of His presence... Here we are. We position ourselves. Jesus, we need you in our lives. Jesus, we don't want to follow the pattern of the world. We want to be after your pattern. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to carry something, not to contain it, not to control it, not to hold it back, but something to carry. And right now, I'm asking for that weighty presence of your Holy Spirit to fall upon our lives, Lord Jesus. Just breathe them in. Just take a big breath. A big breath of that atmosphere. And even as I've been speaking, and as you listen to the, my voice, you've listened to what the Lord wants to say to you. I speak to scales that are on eyes to fall off right now. I speak to shields that are on hearts that have been a limitation to experiencing the presence of God. I tell them to fall off right now. I'm asking for that wind of your presence to blow through right now. Lord Jesus, would you come? And just every one of us with your voice, just say, come Holy Spirit. Just invite him. Come Holy Spirit. You're with us. You're on us. We want to be carriers of your presence, Lord Jesus. We want to be carriers of your presence. And I feel there's just a moment here. Let's just stay in this moment, church. There's a moment here where God wants to do business with you. And as I was talking about the threshing floor, I feel that God wants to come and remove some mixture. If you've been listening to my voice and, and just the Lord has been putting His finger on your heart and it's not a heavy finger of judgment. It's that gentle finger of conviction. And He's been speaking to your heart. There's things that He wants to remove from you. There's mixture that He wants to remove from you so that you are pure to receive a new portion of His presence without limit, without measure. He wants to pour that out. And if that's you, just... Just lay it at His feet right now. Jesus, would you come and remove the mixture? As you're taking us through threshing floor moments, Lord, would you come and remove the mixture? Even as your presence is a weight upon us, would it push out the things that don't please you, the things that aren't of you, the things that aren't from you, Lord Jesus? Push it out from our lives, Lord Jesus. Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We 
pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message.